MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. Today, the Biden administration is prepping sanctions for Russia over the Navalny poisoning. Now that CPAC is over, Hyatt calls the shape of the stage abhorrent as CPAC responds vehemently. The Senate Judiciary voted 15 to 7 to advance the confirmation of Judge Merrick Garland as Attorney General to the full Senate. Biden says immigrants should be able to get the COVID vaccine without the worry of deportation. Department of Justice files charges against the man who used bear spray against Capitol Police. French ex-president Sarkozy is sentenced to three years in prison, and Governor Cuomo expresses regret for his comments to his staff, but doesn't acknowledge any wrongdoing. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. All right, so it's March 2nd. See, it's going by a little faster. <laughs> It's almost it's almost March tenth and what twelfth again. I just it this is we just need to get out of this fucking wormhole. Like I know. March just needs to be kind, okay? Whatever the whatever the saying is for March in like a lion out like a lamb, I think. Yeah. Great. Great. I just don't make it a sacrificial lamb this time, for God's sake. Oh my god. Don't be the bad lion from Lion King. Be be yes. uh okay. be Lambert the sheepish lion. That'd be cool. Oh and my then goodness. And yeah, and uh, I- I'm mostly worried about that uh, 15th through 18th time period. We'll see how it goes. Oh, God. Well, of fourth in two days, apparently, uh, Donald is supposed to be put into the, his rightful position in the White House, right? Isn't that the fourth? Yeah, that's March. Yeah, that's March 4th. Uh-huh. Oh, good Lord. Okay, let's 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 keep moving forward, yeah. shall we? Yeah, let's. Uh, today, we are going to talk to uh, Ellie Honig, former state and federal prosecutor. We're going to talk about Cuomo. So you can look for that toward the end of the show. Thursday, uh, we are going to talk to the author of American Compromise, Craig Unger, and his KGB source. They're going to be on the show. So that's going to be really intense and interesting. And then Dana will be on the Stereo app every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, kind of an after party for the public. Because we have, you know, we have our happy hours for our patrons on Fridays at 4 Pacific. But you know, for the public, if you want to ask us questions, interact, it's like an AMA uh, with this cool app called Stereo. Just go to Stereo.com slash Allison Gill, download the app, follow Dana at DG Comedy, follow me at Allison Gill and uh, and look for us. It's it's super fun. We do it every Thursday at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. It is a nice way to end the week. Um, we know we have one day after, but it's really a nice way to just blow off steam. So you got a show tonight, right? I know, Well, actually, it's tomorrow. It's Wednesday. Um, so it's going to be Wednesday the 3rd. And it's 5 p.m. If you don't follow my Facebook for some reason, you can put in DG Comedy. All my social media handles are DG Comedy, just my initials. And uh, follow that. At 5 p.m., I'm going to go live uh, with an incredible guest. I'll do about 20 minutes of comedy, and then I'll have an incredible guest named Vicky Martinez, who some of you may know from The Voice or from Orange is the New Black. So we're going to do a nice interview, sort of a behind the curtain, so you can get to know the artist a little bit more uh, instead of just their, their, their work. You get to know them. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you'll join me on Wednesday. Wednesday night, and we'll be raising money for another charity. Oh, cool. Excellent. You always do that, right? None of the, <laughs> every single show that you do, I know, I've noticed that um, proceeds go to charity. So that's going to be really awesome. Yeah, I got to pay my bills and then everything, you know, give a percentage. So it's sort of the pay it forward. Um, my fans are taking care of me and I want to help take care of the communities I would normally be raising money for if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. So yes, join me. That's going to be great. So everybody tune in Wednesday. We got a lot of news to get to. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Looking for- 
hot notes. All right, lead story today. Biden administration is preparing to impose sanctions on Russia over the poisoning and jailing of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny this week. That's according to two administration officials who spoke to CNN. The rollout of the sanctions will happen in coordination with the European Union. Oh, look, we're coordinating with our allies, Dana. What a concept. (laughs) What? Mm -hmm. Uh, The measures and exact timing will be fleshed out by the U.S. and the EU. Uh, and in the coming days. So we'll see what those sanctions are going to look like. They would be the first sanctions uh, imposed on Russia by the Biden administration. We'll set the tone for their policy toward Moscow going forward. They would mark a clear departure from the approach of the Trump administration. (laughs) I like how they say here, which declined to impose penalties, actually, which basically (laughs) gave them a massage and a uh, chiropractic adjustment just out of friendlies. Uh, anyway, this is over the poisoning uh, of Navalny. And, uh, you know, they did. Trump administration shied away from directly confronting Russia over a lot of different nefarious actions. You'll remember the Biden administration is seeking to send a strong message on human rights and the importance of acting alongside allies with these sanctions. And there are plans to tackle a broader set of challenges posed by Russia in the coming weeks. One option being discussed is an executive order focused on Russia, which would trigger sanctions on the country for multiple assaults on democracy and American personnel, including the solar winds hack and the bounties put on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan all in one package. So we'll see what that looks like. That sounds good. All right. This next one, it seems that our president, I love saying that Joe Biden said during an interview Friday that undocumented immigrants should be able to have access to the COVID-19 vaccine without fear of deportation. I agree. He said, I want to make sure that they are able to get vaccinated so they're protected from COVID without the ice or anyone else interfering, Biden said. They should not be arrested for showing up or being able to get a vaccination. So Biden made the comments during an interview with a Spanish language news outlet Univision after visiting a coronavirus vaccination facility in Texas, a state that has also been devastated, as we know, by the winter storms and power outages from a couple weeks ago. The president said in uh, in his $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package currently moving through Congress, that's going to include an increase in nutrition benefits, among other areas, to help those impacted by the pandemic and weather-related disasters, which is very important right now. Um, more good news, Johnson & Johnson has begun shipping nearly 4 million doses of its newly authorized COVID-19 vaccine across the U.S., officials said Monday, and is expected to further scale up supply in the coming weeks and months. Both the Food and Drug Administration and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention signed off on the vaccine over the weekend, making it the third to receive, you know, as an addition to Pfizer and the Moderna, the third to receive authorization in the United States. Now, it's also the first single-dose vaccine to receive the blessing of the U.S. authorities and the only one that does not require ultra-cold storage. Johnson & Johnson, in addition to the vaccine arsenal, will be limited at first, but the company officials expect the scale-up production in the coming months. Gorski said the company is committed to delivering 100 million doses by June and up to a billion by the end of 2021. And listen, I know a lot of people, they're poo-pooing this, they're worried about Johnson & Johnson because of the efficacy. And I'm telling you, even though they have said in other trials when it comes to the variants, one, it actually does help with some of the variants that have been out that some of the other ones have not been as strong against. And the efficacy numbers aren't as low as they're saying. In most people in the United States, it can be up to 85%, which is the same efficacy as one of the other shots of the Moderna or Pfizer. So it's 85% protection against something that could kill you. So please, 
If you have an opportunity to get any of these vaccines, just say yes, please. I would kind of prefer Johnson & Johnson. I don't have to come back for a booster. Sure don't. Uh, Also, you know, and Johnson & Johnson has started, has launched some studies looking into uh, the vaccine's efficacy in pregnant women and people under the age of 16. So, which I guess we could call kids, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's (laughs) acceptable. People. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so used to just saying people now. I don't want (laughs) that. But uh, I think that that's going to be really great. And of course, Johnson & Johnson has the um, benefit of having been tested in their phase three operations on a broader range of, of communities. So th- I think that that's also very important to take into consideration when you find out which vaccine you're going to get. I personally would prefer Johnson & Johnson because of its ability to battle off these variants very mm-hmm. well. So that would be my, I, I'm going to take whatever they give me when Indeed. it's my turn. Yes, but um yeah, don't don't poo poo any specific vaccine and hold out for a different one because it's that's that's just not reasonable. Uh, Hyatt Hotels has released a statement today calling the CPAC Nazi stage shape abhorrent. The hotel group called Symbols of Hate abhorrent after the design of the CPAC stage was compared to a Norse rune used by Nazis during World War II. Hyatt clarified it has no involvement in stage design, adding, quote, We take the concern raised about the prospect of Symbols of Hate being included in the stage design at CPAC 2021 very seriously, and all such symbols are abhorrent and unequivocally counter to our values as a company. Of course, this came out Monday after we at the Daily Beans and our source, Mm -hmm. who who we spoke to on the pod yesterday, pointed this out to them on Friday. Now, Matt Schlapp, American Conservative Union chair, dismissed the comparison to the Nazi rune as outrageous and slanderous. <laughs> okay, it's a shape. <laughs> this triangle is a triangle. You're lying! Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Daily Beast included the uh, original image shared by Daily Beans and our source, who, again, I told you I spoke to yesterday, Andrew Hamilton, CPAC hit back with a letter saying, quote, contrary to Hyatt's own mission statement of inclusivity, that's how they open. Your company just attacked its own customer by caving to the pressures of the politically motivated social media agitators, that's me, (laughs) who seek to destroy CPAC. Hyatt made a decision to issue additional statements late last night after the conference had ended that disparaged and defamed us. Defamed. (laughs) They go on to say, quote, only after a coordinated far left assault to destroy our conference arose did you succumb to lies and compound them with your own. I am proud to be a part of that far-left assault to destroy their conference. I will continue to call out Nazi symbols publicly when they're pointed out to me. Uh, Thanks again to uh, Andrew Hamilton for being our source on this. I would do it all again in an instant. And I actually called the stage design company that was contracted to design and build the stage. Left them a message today. They haven't returned my request for comment. Uh, to ask who 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 designed it and did, was anything brought up and or did you just did they just hand you a design and you built it because uh, you know I I, I wouldn't expect uh, the stage design guy to be familiar with the Odal rune though maybe he is mm-hmm. uh, but I'd, I'd be interested to know who signed off on the design so I have yet to hear back from them if I do I will keep you posted this is my first refusal for request for comment in my journalistic <laughs> career I'm very Congrats. I feel kind of imp- Congratulations, like, my lady. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. You're oh, being ignored like the rest of reporters. Oh, God. It had to have gone through a panel. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Okay. 
Ah, the Justice Department. Oh, it's finally starting. And, and we have got Merrick. Oh, okay. So good. Many good things. We, things are going to be happening with the DOJ that people have been waiting for. So I'm excited about that. This specific news story, um, the Justice Department has charged a Texas man who was allegedly caught on video attacking a dozen police officers with a chemical spray during the Capitol insurrection. Now, this is according to court records. Federal prosecutors say Daniel Caldwell, 49, used a chemical spray against a line of officers that were blocking rioters from entering the Capitol. Capital. It happened amid a massive melee with police who used batons and pepper spray to fend off the crowd. And this is according to footage of the incident that was cited in court filings. Uh, he has been charged with four crimes, assaulting federal officers, obstructing law enforcement, knowingly entering a restricted building and disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds. An attorney isn't listed for Caldwell in the public court docket, and he hasn't had a chance to enter a plea yet. Oh, oh update. Update. What? This has just been handed to me. Whoa. What you got? He pled not guilty today. Shocking. Uh, just a few moments ago. And he was also charged with conspiracy. Okay. Uh, so he's pleading not guilty. He is one of the nine uh, Oath Keepers, one of the leaders of the Oath Keepers. Uh, you know, the nine that entered in, in combat gear. Yes. That's Caldwell. And, okay. He's one of that crew. Well, good. I'm not surprised he said not guilty. Um, and at the same time, if he's one of the Oath Keepers, there's a good chance, and I, I, I giggle every time I say this, that he's going to be fingering the, the ex-president of the United States. Um, people keep saying that in sentences, AG, and I giggle. I don't know if it's because I'm a lesbian or just because I'm immature, but every time someone's like, he's fingering that guy for the crime, I'm like, can't you pick a different word? Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know, because he's pleading not guilty, so I don't know if he's going to be fingering anybody. Yeah, uh, it, well... The use of chemical sprays has been a major focus of the investigation into the death of U.S. police officer Brian Sicknick. Now, CNN reported that prosecutors believe he was attacked with bear spray. We talked about this in a prior podcast, which contributed to his death one day later. There's no known connection in court documents or elsewhere between Sicknick's death, though, and the charges against Caldwell. So we'll see how that unfolds. Right. It just sort of seems to be a coincidence that, you know, I think it was yesterday we were talking about how they were singling in on a person uh, connected with the sicknick death and it had to do with bear spray and then today caldwell is arrested and arraigned mm-hmm. for using bear spray assaulting an officer but there are no like um manslaughter involuntary there's no death type charges here yet uh, although that doesn't mean that there might not be you know eventually they might just have wanted to get him up off the street um so a few other breaking stories merrick garland has been passed by the judiciary committee mm-hmm. The vote is 15 to 7. Senators Grassley, Cornyn, Tillis, and Graham joined the Democrats, voting yes. Republicans Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Ben Sass, oddly, uh, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, and Kennedy and Blackburn all voted no. So they all make sense to me except for Sass because he seemed to be cool. But then, uh, you know, like, like I said, um, don't worry. It'll get passed. I think Cornyn and Graham have indicated that they're going to vote yes, and they did. So that's good. The full vote will likely happen later this week. And ex-French President Sarkozy, Nicolas Sarkozy, has been sentenced to three years in prison. Two are suspended, but one year is not. He can serve that at home, apparently, under house arrest. He was convicted of trying to bribe a judge. Sarkozy's former lawyer has received a similar sentence, as did the judge who took the bribe. So you can actually put former presidents in prison, at least in (laughs) France. Look at that, yeah. And uh, Cuomo is under investigation now for his reporting of nursing home deaths in the Eastern District of New York. And we'll be right back to speak to Ellie Honig about that and the implications and also the allegations of sexual misconduct brought up by the second person. We're going to do this right after the break, so stay with us. 
After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey friends, it's AG from The Daily Beans, and this episode of The Pod is brought to you by American Giant. American Giant is my new favorite clothing company because they believe in quality over quantity. Your clothes should be wearable for years, so you don't have to buy more than you need. And you know, 60% of the clothes we buy end up in landfills within a year of being made because big apparel companies are constantly finding ways to cut corners and make shoddy clothing. Mega corporations churn out cheap clothing and prioritize profits, leaving working people behind, hollowing out communities and filling junkyards. If we had clothing that we could wear just 50 more times, we would reduce our carbon emission by 400%. That's the equivalent of carpooling with three friends every day. American Giant makes clothing that's durable and built to last, not poorly made and disposable. I recently got their women's blizzard full zip, the weatherproof nylon shell for warmth, and it's perfect for the cold weather. It's warm and cozy. It's my new favorite. It feels good to be supporting local communities, too, and buying amazing high-quality clothes made right here. Back in 1960, 95% of the stuff, that you know, the clothing that Americans bought was made here in the United States, and today it's only 3%. Choosing American Giant means supporting a supply chain that's 100% based in the USA and taking a stand for conscious consumerism, hardworking people, local communities, and quality clothes made to last. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. Clothes built to last. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're joined by former federal and state prosecutor and CNN legal analyst, Ellie Honig. Ellie, welcome. How are you? Always happy to join you, AG. Yeah, I wanted to thank you. I'm always happy to have you here. I wanted to talk to you today about uh, an investigation that is being conducted into the governor's office in New York. That's Cuomo's office regarding the handling of the data surrounding uh, COVID deaths in nursing homes. And um the first thing we know is that it's uh, who who is investigating here. Yeah, so this is a really interesting case. The, the 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 bad news for Andrew Cuomo and his administration is that this is being investigated federally by a combination of the FBI and the Eastern District of New York. Now, who is this EDNY that I speak of? Because I am always usually so focused on my former office, the SDNY. So the Southern District of New York, there, there are two different offices that do the same thing, both part of DOJ. The Southern District of New York is Manhattan. Bronx, Westchester, and some of the northern counties. Eastern District is Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Long Island. Now, how did this land in the Eastern District of New York? There's a potential conflict of interest, or at least an appearance of a conflict of interest, because the current interim or acting U.S. attorney for the SDNY, Audrey Strauss, her son is married to somebody who is part of Andrew Cuomo's staff who may be involved in this in some way. So there's a potential familial conflict of interest, which is why EDNY has taken the lead on this. And essentially, according to the public reporting, which Cuomo's uh, office has acknowledged, the gist of the investigation is whether Cuomo's office or somebody in the office has improperly misstated or falsified data relating to COVID deaths to the federal government or to official investigators. That's the gist of what's being looked at right now. Hmm, that's interesting. And uh, they, they say in the public reporting that this is a preliminary investigation. Can you define what, what that specifically means as far as, uh, you know, how how the FBI or the DOJ investigates things? What is the difference between a preliminary investigation and, I guess, a full investigation? Yeah, so DOJ and the FBI love their bureaucratic terminology where, right, they have all these different classifications for what level of investigation they're at or not. A preliminary investigation is, as the name suggests, the, the very lowest level of investigation. And, you know, there's all these different articulate, lawyerly articulations of just how much evidence you need to open each level. But but really, to put it in sort of common sense terms, 
you need something but not much in order to open up a preliminary investigation. So you can't just go on a fishing expedition. You can't just say, hey, let's take a look at this guy. Let's see if he's up to anything, you know, and hope you find something. You have to have some reasonable, sort of articulable basis to think there could be some evidence here of a potential federal crime. And I think the most logical scenario here, look, it's not a federal crime to mislead the public. It's not a federal crime to um, get behind a microphone as a public official and, and sort of, you know, give out bad information. It's bad, and I don't recommend it, but it's not a federal crime. But if federal investigators have been in there for months and Cuomo's office has acknowledged that some form of federal inquiry, maybe not criminal to start with, uh, but there's been some sort of federal inquiry going on for months into his office and their handling and reporting of COVID deaths, if people in that office lied to those investigators, that can be a potential crime. Even if the investigation itself wasn't criminal, it's a crime to lie to federal investigators. Now, when I say lie, that can certainly mean to give them falsified information. It also can mean to intentionally withhold material information that you know would be relevant and would make a difference. So that, to me, seems like the most likely scenario that's being looked at right now. Now, could this also be, uh, I mean, if this is this, you know, because in the public reporting here in the CNN article, they say that this has been going on for months, as you just said. And I know that uh, Melissa DeRosa uh, had actually commented saying that they were worried that this was like, she didn't say it outright, but seemingly that this could have been sort of a retaliatory investigation perpetrated by the Trump administration, who just hates Cuomo. But, you know, again, uh, I don't know how that could be looked into or how that would come up on appeal, possibly. But, you know, you still can't. I mean, is it ever right to withhold information? And I'm thinking specifically, and this is more counterintelligence, though. But when, you know, the Obama administration didn't want to fully uh, read in the Trump administration on the Russia investigation because they were the <laughs> the target of it. And so I'm just I'm wondering about how that might play out, how that looks in, in certain investigations when it is a retaliatory investigation. Well, th- this isn't going to hold up um, from Melissa DeRosa, because you don't get as somebody who's being investigated, you don't get to unilaterally decide for your Yourself, I think this is politically motivated. Hence, I'm going to lie, mislead, or omit if that's in fact what happened. That that's not your option. Look, you may have a if if somebody is prosecuted selectively, vindictively because of their political beliefs, that's a defense that you are entitled to raise in court. Um, it doesn't succeed often, but if you can show that you were singled out because of political purposes, there actually is a recognizable defense that you can raise. Um, you know, if and when you ever get charged. But it does not allow you, imagine that. Imagine if the rule was, if you believe you're being unfairly targeted, you can lie and there's no consequence. I mean, look, (laughs) the vast majority of people who are ever investigated think that they're being picked on for some reason, right? I mean, people who are nobodies sometimes think, oh, the FBI is just picking on me because they see me as a threat. I mean, people who are, you know, forget about governors and presidents and that (laughs) kind of thing, you know, paranoid people and people who just feel like they're being singled out. So, no, that's not the rule that you get to decide that you don't like an investigation and hence you're going to lie. Yeah, because it feels like they're kind of saying, you know, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but they're kind of saying, well, we don't want to report these terrible numbers in our state because we think Trump will use them against us. Uh, but if you got terrible numbers in your state and <laughs> and you and it, again, like you said, it is not clearly not a crime to lie to the American people. Hello, Donald Trump. <laughs> right. Uh, but if you are lying to investigators or even inspectors general, yep. right, when they yep. ask you these kinds of things, that's what the problem could be. I got to take a quick break. I have one more quick, quick, uh, quick question for you, but uh, stick around. Yep. All right. Everybody will be right back. 
Hello, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Stamps.com. There's so many fun things I would do if I had extra time and money and not a raging pandemic caused by an orange buffoon. But one thing I definitely don't want to be doing is wasting time and money taking trips to the post office. If you want to save some bucks and save some precious time, I recommend going to Stamps.com. Mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com is so easy. They allow you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters and ship packages and pay a lot less with their discounted rates from the Postal Service and UPS. And Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. With Stamps.com, you can get the service of the post office and UPS all in one place, in your home, in your jammies, plus big discounts on mailing and shipping rates. Uh, it's a very smooth, easy process, very efficient experience I've had with Stamps.com, and it's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out orders, or even a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all. So simply use the computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and 62% off of UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. Saves you time and money. It's no wonder nearly a million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There is no risk. And with our promo code DAILYBEANS, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts are required. So just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Daily Beans. That's Stamps.com. Promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Thank you for joining us again. I am talking to former federal and state prosecutor Ellie Honig. Uh, We're talking about this investigation into uh, the Governor Cuomo's office about the underreporting or delayed reporting on on COVID deaths in nursing homes. And can you uh, just really quick kind of explain how these numbers were being underreported, what numbers were being reported and what numbers weren't or how they were misreported? Yeah, so, so that's really the crux, I think, of what the FBI is looking at. What we know from What's out there in public is that at various times, the administration, the Cuomo administration, has sort of played with the numbers by by trying not to count um, deaths of people who were taken out of nursing homes because they were sick and then died in the hospital. So in other words, it seems the Cuomo administration was taking quite literally that you have to have physically died within a nursing home in order to count as a nursing home death. But not trying, but trying to not count incidents where somebody was in a nursing home, became very sick with COVID, was then transported to a hospital and then died. Which, um, you know, look, that'll be up to the FBI in Eastern District of New York to decide a whether there is such a discrepancy and b whether it rises to the level of a chargeable crime. Right, kind of like, are you reporting where they contracted it and that eventually died from it? It just, it seems, I don't know. But, but this, uh, these additional statements by. Uh, his office in DeRosa, for example, just sort of drive home the point that they were kind of withholding information. And so that that's where their problem lies. Well, and DeRosa's quote that I think is problematic is she, she was talking to um, a group of, I believe, state government officials and staffers and was talking about how, well, the problem for us was we had demands coming from the state legislature for information at the same time we were being asked for information from DOJ. And so her quote was, we froze. Um not entirely clear what that means, but it suggests at least some acknowledgement that they withheld some information that perhaps they should not have withheld. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, <laughs> we fro- like you can't take two requests at once. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, the other thing, too, is, is that this came uh, weeks after uh, Tish James, who is the New York Attorney General. Uh, noted they were underreporting numbers. How did that? What is that chain of custody between New York Attorney General 
Eastern District of New York, Department of Justice, uh, FBI. What's that chain of custody look like? Yeah, so uh, the Attorney General, Letitia James, did this did this um, report, and she found there was there had been significant underreporting. Um, yeah, look, the FBI and Eastern District of New York can request that information. I mean, they shouldn't have to subpoena it. Usually, it's just a, a matter of requesting it if they have a good faith basis to believe that it's relevant to their investigation, which it could well be. So that that's sort of the way these things go. I mean, it's it happened quite a bit when I was a prosecutor that we would see information reported from some sort of, um, you know, watchdog type agency, and we would request it through formal channels. And usually you can access that. And if it's found that they withheld or omitted or lied to the investigators, is that a, a, a 1001 charge? What does that look like? Yeah, it could be. I mean, what, 1001 is, is a false statement in a government proceeding or in an official proceeding. Yeah, I mean, look, the other trick in a case like this is you have to prove that any misstatement was made knowingly and not accidentally. And you have to prove who's responsible for it, who made the statement, who authorized it, and did that person know that it was false. But if you can prove those things, then there is a potential, what we call a thousand and one charge for false statements. Yeah, it's a high bar, though. I remember Jeff Sessions wiggling out from under it exactly. a few times. <laughs> exactly. Yep, yep, because Robert Mueller found that he, well, he may have misremembered or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, or he was he was specifically answering a question in his head that right. was different from the one, <laughs> the one that was being asked. I just, I like, it's uh-huh. funny you mentioned that. I just uh, finished writing a bit about that for my book about Bill Barr, where I where I take a little time to, um, you know, take a chapter out to to. Uh, uh, criticize his predecessors, including Jeff Sessions. And I look back at that, it's pretty outrageous. He, he basically gets asked one question, which he doesn't really answer. And then he proceeds to lie about a different question that he was never asked about his, his contacts with Russians. It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, but because he wasn't directly asked <laughs> right. in a specific framework, uh, they didn't think that they could hold him to the 1001 charge. But right. yeah, well, thank you for talking to me about this today. Now, there's other uh, Cuomo news going on. We know that um, he's got now t- uh, two uh, s- sexual misconduct complaints that are floating around out there, and there's some investigations or not going on. And I know that you're going to talk about that in tomorrow's episode of your podcast. Yes. Tell us about that. Yes. Third Degree is my new-ish podcast. We've been up for a, a handful of weeks. It's doing great. But I'm going to look into the sort of mess that Cuomo's office created over the weekend when they were trying to sort of bumble around about who would be conducting this investigation and trying to maintain control over that process, which by law and really just in terms of public legitimacy is not up to the governor. It's really much more in the AG's wheelhouse, but I will break it down on my next podcast. Yeah. And are you going to cover his apology, quote unquote, as well? (laughs) Heavy, (laughs) heavy scare quotes on that apology, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't impressed. So, uh, I mean, you know, to acknowledge you did it, but then to sort of put the onus on the, eh, you'll you'll go over it tomorrow. Misinterpreted, (laughs) he said. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's their fault for, 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 okay, look, hey, I've worked a lot of places and it's never appropriate to even discuss your sex life, but we'll see what he has to say. And I look forward to hearing that on the third degree tomorrow. Thank you so much, former federal and state prosecutor, CNN legal analyst and host of third degree, the podcast, Ellie Honig. Thanks, AG. Talk to you soon. Yep. No problem. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. 
Hello, you. Yes, you. You listening to The Daily Beans. You are unique. You're important. You're one of a kind. And there's nobody on the planet like you, so why would you buy a generic mattress built for everyone else? This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Helix Sleep. They recognize we are all unique, and we all have different sleeping habits. Helix customizes your mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. We've had trouble sleeping. I especially have for the last four years. But I also didn't have a mattress that was customized just for me. I thought it was from Daily Stress, but nope, I needed a better mattress, and Helix helped. Helix Sleep created an online sleep quiz that takes just two minutes to finish, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. So if you like a mattress that's plush or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or if you sleep really hot like I do, with Helix, there is a specific mattress to meet your needs. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps, risk-free. And they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news is on the way. All right, I am loving the good news segment lately with all these little games that we're playing. I'm, I, they're some of my favorite parts of the week, and I love that the listeners are enjoying them. I'm getting messages on Twitter that even uh, some are, are in our confessions or submissions, just you know, giving us dog breeds and you know, just saying how much they enjoy our banter. So it's it's been good. It's been enjoyable. Mm. Yes, and uh, please send in all of your uh, submissions. You can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That's the best way to do it. If you try to send it to our email box, it might get overlooked. We just get so many emails there. So the best way to do it is at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I'm going to go ahead with this first correction. We got a lot of these and I realized it as soon as this, but like right before the show went out, I'm like, oops, I got this wrong. From Cooter Davenport, (laughs) pronouns he and him. Quick correction on that car them Duke boys drove. It was a 69 Charger. Nice. Working on that car kept me about as bust as a church fan in August. I regret the name and the paint job and the horn, but boy, that car could fly. It's a character. In case you're wondering. Thank you. All right. Uh you mind if I take the next one, too? That was pretty short. No, please. Yeah. All right. From Emily, pronoun she and her. Hey, people. Love your podcast so much. Want to share my favorite word with you. Thank you, Emily. Did you know there's a word for when you mishear song lyrics? <gasps> your show today, 3-1, reminded me of it. It's called Mondegreen. Isn't that rad? Oh, wow. The word's origin is even better. As the word itself, a mondegreen, there was an old English folk song... Uh, <laughs> And one of the lines said something about laid him on the green, but so many people thought that it said Lady Mondegreen. That's hilarious. <laughs> and that became the word for getting song lyrics wrong. Lady Mondegreen. All right, Mondegreen. No pets here, although a red-tailed hawk family is nesting in the pine tree across the street, but you'll have to imagine how cool that looks because I can't quite capture it on my phone. Cute. Well, thank you. Thank you for that Mondegreen, too. Oh, this is from yesterday. The missing answer to the mystery breed. We were half right. This cute little one is Maltese and Chihuahua. We thought Maltese Poodle. Um, but I never would have guessed the Chihuahua part either. Mm. So Maltese and Chihuahua. No, I wouldn't have either unless the head was shaved and I could see the like the head shape. Oh, my God. So cute, though. I love Maltese. They're adorable. Looks so soft. Go ahead and get the get the next one, too. 
All right, this next one's from Stacy. No pronouns given from Stacy. I never submit these things, but what the heck? This is threefold. Good news, guess the breed, and pet tax. Um, pet tax photos. First, because of AG's tweet about her parents getting vaccinated and my response about not being able to get my mother an appointment, Kaiser reached out and she was finally able to get an appointment for this week. Screenshot attached. That's awesome. That would not have been happened. That would not have happened without your tweet, AG. So thank you. Mm, I'm so glad, Stacy. Wow. Well done, Allison. Yeah. Now, I guess now for guess the breed. Jax is a rescue. He and his brother were found dumped on the side of the road in Central Valley about three months of age. Why are people so pieces of shit? people sometimes. Yeah. I adopted him a month later, and he just turned a year within the last month. One breed is obvious, but the other is anyone's guess. The rescue said pit and lab, but I don't see the lab. Uh, He's the fourth pit mix I've had, so I'm confident about that part. He's very tall and slender and has his tail curled up. I do plan to get a DNA test, uh, so I'll report back. Lastly, here's a different kind of pet. Meet Rivi. White Stripe. Oh, that in the White Stripe picture, Emma and Mooney, who's great. Thank you all for what you do. I found MSW in 2018 and haven't missed an episode since. There is your tweet, AG. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, I said my parents got their doses. Stacy says, having a heck of a time getting my mother an appointment. Kaiser is a clusterfuck. And then Kaiser responds, hi, Stacy. I'd like to give your mother a call. Please send a DM with the phone number and we'll reach out. Oscar. Well, good for Kaiser. Oh, my God. Pity. That is definitely got pity in there. I see. I also see German Shepherd on that. I do, too. I do, too. I as well. All right. So we're going Um, with German Shepherd, not Lab, mm -hmm. but German Shepherd on that tail. Yeah. Or maybe Husky. Maybe. Look at the eyes. I know. What a beautiful dog. Yeah. It is really, really pretty puppy. Oh, the horses. Mm -hmm. I love them so much. I love them so much. Mm, Appaloosa is beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Next up from Chris, pronouns they and them. Hello, ever grateful longtime listener and patron here. I suddenly realized I was in my happy place this morning and wanted to share it with you. I live in a neighborhood of Detroit where most of the houses have been burned or torn down. We have a neighborhood organization, Neighbors Building Brightmore, that tries to integrate the needs of the longtime residents with those that are here for for gardening, farming, and homesteading opportunities the empty space allows. One of our group projects is tapping maple trees and cooking the sap down into syrup. Our group of 12 to 20 people has cooked anywhere from 5 to 26 gallons of finished maple syrup in a given year. We've built an outdoor maple cooking stove out of reclaimed materials, including fire bricks from a derelict school down the street. Uh, chafing dishes and a cookie pan for the front door. This Sunday morning, I find myself surrounded by wood smoke and maple sap steam, just listening to the birds and the raindrops off the tin roof of our sugar shack. Just wanted to share this moment with y'all as you've done so much for me over the years. These picks are the cooker, the sugar shack, and our neighborhood greenhouse bank sugar shack. Nice. Sugar shack. I I never knew what a sugar shack was until just now. Me either. That's amazing. How lovely. I love learning new things on the pod. Yes, thank you for sharing that. All right, this next one comes from Scott. There's no pronouns given. Hi, Beans Queens. Here's a couple of pics of Bonnie, our rescue dog. She's a mix of three dog breeds, including a New Zealand breed that has only recently, in 2013, been formally recognized as such. Now, Princess Bonnie has her own Facebook page, Bonnie Barkadinova. Uh, (laughs) she's great company and well-behaved most of the time except when she's getting into the neighbor's trash she's super friendly so sign in the first pick is very much a joke and the the sign that says beware of dog this with this angry with a spiked collar dog and then here's this adorable beauty that baby looks also like abby my best friend's dog who is the shagel the the shepherd beagle mix so 
We're looking for the other two besides this New Zealand breed. Yeah. Uh, I see Beagle. I do too. Definitely a hound dog in there. Yeah. Yeah, look at the paw. Look at the feet and the paw coloring. Uh-huh. Definitely Beagle. And then maybe... um. <gasps> oh, you know what? There's some spots, though. It looks like there might be some of that healer mix in there. You see the spots? Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's see. We'll All scroll right. Scroll slowly. slowly. Answer just below. There we go. Hunt away. Collie and Staffordshire Bull Terrier. We got them all wrong. <laughs> yep. All right. We suck at this fucking game sometimes. It's all right. I know. I'm mostly just overcome by the cuteness of the animal that I have a hard time analyzing. I would be a very bad dog show judge. I'd be like, everyone is such a good boy. Everyone wins. <laughs> I know. And look at that white dog. Oh. And there's a brown one. Oh, and there's another brown and white dog. Little guy. Yeah. Beep, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. Yeah, that's how I would judge them oh, is by like w- what music would be best for them to run to. All right. Hilarious. God loves a terrier. God okay, go ahead with the next a one. Terrier. Okay, <laughs> next up from Lisa L. Pronoun she and her. Hello, longtime listener. First time writing in. When AG and Dana started guessing dog breeds, I knew I had to submit my brother's dog for consideration. I got his permission to share her with you. He and my sister-in-law adopted Hope in 2013 when she was about three. She was rescued from somewhere in San Francisco in the Bay Area with a gunshot wound in one leg, uh-uh. which was subsequently amputated. Oh, tripod dog. I love them. Despite being a tripod, she lives an active life and is very much loved by my family. Uh, I'm including pictures of her, uh, for her adoption listing uh, as I've somehow never managed to get a full body shot of her. I'm also including screenshots of the DNA results my brother recently received of Hope's probable ancestry. I won't give it away here. But the breed Hope most matched to, a breed I'd never heard of before, originated in Northern California. The breed is not currently recognized by any of the major kennel clubs. Well, that's not fair, you guys. Well, there's a really good chance that we're not going to know this one. <laughs> I'm going to make one up. Okay. The podcast has helped keep me sane during the Trump presidency, and I know AG and Dana will continue to help hold people in power accountable for their actions. Thanks for all your hard work. Oh, mom, 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 oh we got healer. Mm. Whatever the proper word is for healer, there is blue healer in yeah, this. Yeah, cattle dog or healer is, is what that is yep, now. We've dog, learned. Yep. I, I see maybe Aussie. Oh, yeah, I can see that. An Australian yeah. sheepdog. Australian isn't shepherd. That, isn't that a blue shepherd? That's not a blue healer? Okay. Um, oh, look at these babies. I'm hmm, not going to scroll quite yet. I'm going to say collie. Oh, good, good call. I see a little collie in there. And the ears? They're so cute. Possibly shepherd? They look like shepherd ears. I know we always say shepherd, but they do. I know. Yeah. All well, right. the shepherds are getting around. They're kind of whores. Aussie? I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Shepherd. <laughs> you know those shepherds. Mm-hmm. You know those shepherds. Mm-hmm. All right. We detected nine breeds. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, let's see if we got a chance. McNabb is the northern. Border Collie. Border Collie. Australian cattle dog. Australian cattle dog. Australian shepherd. Shepherd. And collie. <laughs> we nailed that one. Oh my God. We got everything except the Russell Terrier. And there's 12% Irish Spring Spaniel. English Springer Spaniel. 10% Swedish Elk Hound. <sighs> and uh, Asian, Asian Eura- Eurasia. Eurasia. Mm. Hmm. All right. Well, we got the all the herding breeds. Look at us. <laughs> but the Terrier. Yeah. 23%. Um, wow. Parson, Parson Russell Terrier. What a honey. We detected I know, beautiful dog. nine breeds. Dang. Jesus. I mean, really, the, people have been, I don't even understand. I mean, obviously, the, anyway, it's it's hard to get nine breeds in one dog, but congratulations. That's a lot of years. Exactly. That is a, quite the family tree. Mm, beautiful puppy. All right. Is it me or you? I've lost track. Yeah, that's your turn. Okay. Yes, you, that, you, okay. Uh, this is from Claire. Pronoun she and her. 
In honor of my dog's birthday this week, I thought I would send you his photo for your guest, the mixed breed section. My handsome old man, Chester, turns 15 on the 4th of March, 2021. He came to live with us when he was 11 after his first family were unable to take care of him the way they wanted to. And no judgment on them, they made the best decision for his welfare. I always say he's the luckiest dog because he's had two families that love him very much. He's patient with the kids, still loves going for walks, and will tell anyone he meets that we just don't feed him. Hilarious. <laughs> Not at all. Ever. In fact, he stars. Mm. Uh, does anyone have a spare sausage for this terribly good dog who never gets any treats? Uh, he knows all the dog walkers we pass who might have a treat for him. And despite not being great with other dogs, when he came to us, uh, now has some lovely furry friends that he likes to say hello to. Attached are pictures of him looking very handsome and taking a snooze with my daughter. So please take a guess on what breeds Chester is a mix of. Oh, schnauzer. Yeah, and I also see... Um, that, that I don't know how big he is. I feel like there's a terrier in here. Yeah, he looks got like he's got a terrier in there. Definitely with that with that uh, nose shape. And um, that that marking. And I know do, not they don't have the same one, but my uh, collie uh, wolf mix isn't that amazing? Half wolf and half collie. Ooh. When I was growing up, uh, had that patch of white. So I'm gonna go with a little collie in there too. And I'm gonna go with. Not the Australian Shepherd, not the cattle dog, but the Border Collie. I'm going to go with Border okay. Collie, too. Right, and that might so. take care of the Collie part. Yeah. I think, oh, there's another picture. Ter- oh, big dog. Okay, so we know the size now. Yeah, and it could be a standard schnauzer if it's a big, yeah. big dog. All right, here we go. All right, scrolling slowly, scrolling slowly. St- Mix of Stafford Bull Terrier and Whippet. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm just gonna say staffordshire bull terrier in every answer now because all of them yeah they're the actual apparent whores of the dog kingdom because yeah. they're showing I up i did say a terrier but i didn't know it was a stafford right stafford, a staffordshire bull terrier yeah so terrier we got but no schnauz no collie no border collie i would not have thought whippet on this i know what whippets look like they're beautiful beautiful dogs um but yeah yeah i would be looking for a, a point to your nose or i mean i guess he does have a long skinny neck that kind of gives that away but uh. <laughs> all right all right so from now on everything is a staffordshire bull terrier mix <laughs> everything <laughs> with a with even if it dog. looks like a chihuahua i'm like that's a great day yeah that's a great <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for sending these in i love doing these and I, i'm so glad stacy that um i could help get uh kaiser to pay attention to your plate and and get get your mom vaccinated yes. that's makes me feel really really good um that's just it's seriously i'm very touched by that and i'm glad that uh that it helped you out if anybody has anything else um they want to submit dogs song lyrics um mondegreens whatever you know, just let us know. You can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. It's going to be a big rest of the week. Um, but everybody, you know, you know the drill. Do you have any, uh, do you have any last words? <laughs> I'd like a cigarette in my meal, please, Allison. I'm going to blindfold you, put a cigarette in your mouth, yeah. Tom and Jerry style. But remember, if you're a Republican, it's not a firing squad if there's no guns. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, anything? No, you're good? I'm good. Everyone, just have a really great night and um, join me tomorrow on the Facebook Live. And of course, our, our podcast will air before that. So, yes, and uh, Stereo Thursday at five. Would love to see you at Pacific time. It's free. Download the Stereo app. We'll see you there. Everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans.
The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. I saw a billboard. We were driving back from Vegas and saw a billboard that said, you know, there were for apartments for lease. And they're like, leasing information, call this number. And I was like, leasing information? How do you lease information? You can't give it back. Once you know something, don't you just know it? Like, And then I was like, oh, wait. Yep. Just have the moments. I had mine on the show the other day. If you were listening to the episode on Thursday, actually right before you tune into this, um, they were talking about cats that didn't have any meows and they were getting lost in different in places and missing. And so the story was basically like the cat disappeared and it didn't have any meow. And they're like, Oh my God, we need to find it. We're going to look for the cat. We put out food, we put up signs. And in my head, my brain went, who the who are the signs for like the the cat's not gonna know what the sign says oh my god i i I, the pause in the story pause get it no pun intended but the pause in the story i do think people (laughs) will hear it but it was just one of those moments where i was like oh yeah your first thought was signs cats can't read cats can't read all right that's so great and now like I want to put signs up like that, 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 you know, are just a picture of a cat being like, Hey, Bruce, you're missing. Come home. Right. Uh, and uh, how do we know? I mean, let's be honest. You don't know if cats can or can't read. <laughs> so no, we're just making an assumption true. there. Uh, making <clears> an my, assumption. My friend who's a comedian, Brian Simpson, he has this whole bit about, you know, uh, he sees lost dog signs and it's like, we, you know, we miss our boy. He wants to come home. He misses up. He misses us. And, and Brian's like, you sure? Cause the last time, last I read that dogs <laughs> can smell you from three miles away. So maybe that motherfucker chose the streets. Uh, yeah. <laughs>